This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 11th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Connor Tapp. I'm joined by Trey Scott. Trey, the perils of pre-taped podcasting meant that yesterday's episode detailing Michigan State's courtship of Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle was rendered obsolete within about 30 minutes of our 7.30 a.m. Central Publish time. We'll have more on that situation in a bit, but Trey, you're leading us off today with our first item coming out of Baton Rouge. Look, we were just trying to get everything in the barn before the Oscars started, and, and it, it <laughs> We shot ourselves in the foot. Anyway, yeah, we, we have a little uh, little news. Every eye was on the Michigan State coaching search. And meanwhile, LSU, we kind of forgot they had a vacancy for passing game coordinator needing to replace offensive whiz kid Joe Brady. They're going to go back to the NFL ranks for this guy, and it's, it's Scott Linehan. Um, the 56-year-old Linehan, uh, he spent last season out of coaching, but from 2015 to 2018, he was OC of the Dallas Cowboys. And his haters will point out, that with Linehan out of town in 2019, the Cowboys bloomed offensively. They went from 22nd to 1st among all NFL teams in yards per game. Linehan's been a head coach of the Rams. He was offensive coordinator under Nick Saban, of all people, uh, at the Miami Dolphins. He's been an OC for the Vikings, OC for Washington and Louisville at the college ranks. He's got a lot of experience. I think any, any detractors of this hire, they look at Linehan look at his his chops, maybe his age, and they don't really see the sort of dynamic creativity that Joe Brady b- brought to the system. So I texted Shay Dixon of Go 24-7 about that. We've had Shay on the podcast plenty. And, and Shay pointed out that they have Steve Insminger still. They, Steve Insminger is still their offensive coordinator. Scott Lenahan's merely filling a role that many teams don't even have as passing game coordinator. And, and his most important job, uh, Shay says, is going to be helping to coach and developing and kind of get bring some stability to the locker room, help teach the guys a lot. He thinks that's going to be very valuable for a quarterback like Miles Brennan, who is still in some ways a project player. Whereas Joe Burrow came from Ohio State, maybe already perfectly groomed by Urban Meyer. Shea thinks Scott Linehan, if if he doesn't bring intricate passing routes and dynamic offensive attacks, he at least can help Miles Brennan and he at least can be an experienced voice in the room with Steve Insminger, who will continue to call the shots. Yeah, I mean, co-offensive coordinators, definitely an unusual situation. So I, when Joe Brady left, I wasn't even necessarily expecting that LSU would bother to to fill that that particular vacancy, maybe fill it out somewhere else in the coaching staff. But uh, as you say, the, the fact that they 
that the fact that they do go out and fill that position with uh, such an experienced person like Linehan is uh, kind of a sign that they really think that position is pretty important. So it's LSU is just going to be so fascinating next year because there is – uh, so much turnover on the coaching staff, like from uh, from the uh, from the players, and you've got expectations of a returning national championship team, but like essentially a brand new team. They're gonna be it's gonna be really fascinating to watch the Tigers as it always is, but for slightly different reasons in 2020. Trey, so we teased we're gonna talk about Luke Fickle. He turns down Michigan State to stay at Cincinnati for his fourth season at Cincinnati and this uh, I mean this is a big big move for him to say no to a power five program like Michigan State a team like Michigan State that has won uh won the Big Ten East within the past five years they made Uh, the playoff they made the playoff and so now we are at a point where this Michigan State coaching search you've had the you know, plan B's already go ahead and withdraw their names in advance of Luke Fickle and this uh, prolonged search that seemed like it was headed to a positive resolution uh, from Michigan State's end, given, you know, the amount of in-person contact that was documented to have been happening over the weekend. And it seemed like this was headed to Luke Fickle saying yes, it, uh, but he says no. And uh, according to the Detroit Free Press, part of the reason given is kind of the culture, the toxic culture just around the Michigan State, the, the school and the athletics department at the moment, given all the allegations of wrongdoing. So it, it leaves Michigan State in a spot where they are in solidly in the bottom half of the Big Ten East at this point. Uh, you're, I mean, the the... the the gap, but forget about uh, you know closing down the gap between the big three in that division. You're now trying to figure out where you land among Indiana, Maryland, and Rutgers. And if you're really honest with yourself right now, if you're a Michigan State fan, I think, uh, I mean, you're probably at, at least number two, number three, maybe. Uh, you probably put yourself ahead of Rutgers, but you're ahead of Rutgers. You're ahead of Rutgers, probably Maryland too. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's this is this is this is tough, <laughs> very tough. So Michigan State's 14 and 12 the last two seasons. Indiana's 13 and 12. Michigan State just inked a recruiting class in the 40s. It's not good for them. Their team talent composite for 24-7 sports last season was sixth in the Big Ten behind even Maryland. Six isn't horrible, but you're behind Maryland and, and your record's even with Indiana. And it kind of yeah, like they're 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 veering towards cellar dweller status in the Big Ten East thanks to this flailing coaching search. And I don't know if the answer's out there. Is it like Brett Bielema, the New York mm. Giants linebackers coach? I mean, he's had success in the Big Ten. <laughs> that was 10 years ago, though. Is it Jim McElwain? Hit Central Michigan now. Is it, do you keep interim coach Mike Tressel, seriously, the nephew of Jim, and just like punt this search for two more years down the road? I think it's interesting. When you look at Michigan State in the last 10 years, they won the Big Ten. They made the playoff. They produced NFL quarterbacks. A lot of that happened in a tumultuous time during the Big Ten. Right. Michigan was in dire straits most of that decade. Ohio State, scandal. Penn State, scandal. And in fact, when, when Michigan State was peaking at the midway mark of the decade in 2015, the Penn State scandal was very fresh. And Ohio State, it wasn't fresh at all. Ohio State had won the national title the year before, but th- those, those years of, of uncertainty had allowed Michigan State, I think, to close, to close the talent gap. 
And they, there's no advantage anymore. I mean, Ohio State's rolling. Penn State is a, an absolute lock every year almost to win 10 games, and Michigan's what they are. So Michigan State, I think a, a sobering reality is coming around the corner when you've got upwards of five to 10 coaches saying no, and now you're targeting someone who coaches linebackers for the New York Giants. I don't care what the credentials are of Brett Bielema. Yeah, so Trey, a, a point that you raised yesterday was that when you look at Fickle and the link to Michigan State, you almost look at it, and from Fickle's perspective, and it, it looks like you were kind of hitting on something that was real there, was that almost why would you take this job? Because now he comes back to Cincinnati, and after a year where it felt like there was no obvious, like just undeniable top coaching talent who was just begging to be hired by a blue blood program. Uh, he now enters 2020 as the likeliest person to kind of fill that role, that kind of, what was it? 2015 or 2015, 2016 Tom Herman role. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry to bring up maybe what's a sore subject, but uh, we're uh, now looking at a, I mean, we're, we might have some, big, big programs in need of uh, a new coach, USC, who knows? I mean, Clay Helton is just perennially on the hot seat. Uh, things are not looking great at Miami. You know, Tom Herman is recycling coordinators going to do it for the Longhorns and UCLA, Chip Kelly, what's going on there? Maybe they're looking for a coach at the end of this year. And then, you know, South Carolina, Will Muschamp, Got Jordan Birch, but uh, you know he's only going to be able to make so much of an impact in 2020. So it's uh, shaping up for Fickle to be the in-demand guy uh, in the next coaching carousel. Yeah, you hit on all that. It's the past year was sort of the year without a slam dunk coaching candidate, and a year without a slam dunk opening. We thought the opening would be USC, and we thought they would be hiring Urban Meyer. That never happened. So yeah, Fickle. Look, if he wants to get pigeonholed geographically as a Big Ten guy, fine. It's worth noting that he didn't take the Michigan State job. So then maybe he makes sense for a job on the West Coast or a job in Miami or a job down in Texas or a job at, at South Carolina. But there should be some really good openings this year, regardless of what happens at a few different places. And it looks like Fickle could be the guy for the point you're about to mention, is, and that Cincinnati should be really good this year. Yeah, I mean, the weird thing about Cincinnati being as good as they were in 2019 is they lost a lot of players from their good 2018 squad, so it almost felt like they were a little bit ahead of schedule. So in 2020, they've got 19 starters coming back, and they have an opportunity to make some really big statements uh, with a hosting Nebraska, and they host their AAC foe uh, Memphis. So, I mean, they will have every opportunity to be one of those teams that's contending for a New Year Six bowl berth and, uh, you know, after Fickle has been so heavily connected to uh, a big job like Michigan State, they uh, it seems like they're going to be a very big story. And thus, he will be a big story throughout the 2020 season. Yeah, they get their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, back. They just signed the best recruiting class in the AAC. I, I think certainly a lot of this is, yeah, Michigan State was a flawed job. And next year could be better. But also, it's, it's probably really hard to walk away from that team which you built into an absolute New Year Six contender, it's probably hard to be like, all right, someone else can have this job, especially if you haven't reached the promised land yet. Like, it's obviously a lot easier for Scott Frost to leave UCF when he won a national title or whatnot, or he at least won a, uh, a New Year Six Bowl. 
All right, let's pivot now to the NFL draft and Tua Tungavailoa. A CT scan taken of Tua Tungavailoa's injured hip was as positive as possible, sources told NFL.com's Ian Rappaport on Monday. Rappaport relays that the fracture has healed and Tua's got good ROM, or range of motion. For those of you who are not married to a physical therapy professor, uh, Tagovailoa is on track to be cleared for football activities approximately one month from now. This is all, of course, quite good news for Tagovailoa's draft stock. Last week, before we knew this positive report was coming, a set of CB Sports mock drafts had Tua going no lower than sixth overall. So looking like his decision to not come back to Alabama for one more year is paying off. It's crazy. We spent so much airtime on should he come back or should he not? And <laughs> right. looking at how much money could could Tungo Vilo lose in the bottom half of the first round. He's going like you look we're not I love the NFL draft. We're not like an NFL draft podcast or whatever, but like you look at you look at the top ten. Detroit might need a quarterback at three if they move on from Matt Stafford. The Dolphins at five might want a quarterback. The Chargers at six definitely want a quarterback. Panthers at seven might want a quarterback. Jaguars at nine might want a quarterback. Like, And that's not even considering that there's always a flurry of activity every year for someone to move up and get a quarterback. I would imagine by at the end of the day, two is the second quarterback off the board after Joe Burrow. So uh, that's awesome for him. Like we're This is great. The lasting image of Tua in a uniform was of course being carted off the field in Starkville with a towel over his face because he had a broken nose to boot. And that was really sad and depressing for one of the more defining college football players of the last 10 years. So the fact that he could now go in the top 10 or top five after having handled this process with so much grace and maturity for a 22 year old, I think it's just an awesome story. Yeah, it truly is. Uh, in after in the aftermath of the injury, the comparisons being drawn to Bo Jackson's injury, it we, you were worried that his career might be done. But all the news since then has been better and better. And now, as you said, uh, last month or whenever it was, when he was making the decision about whether he was going to stay or go. And it, there was a lot of talk that, you know, it might really benefit him significantly to come back to boost that draft stock. But uh, to a, it, it appears to have made a truly excellent decision gambling on his health here. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Trey Scott and our producer, Tani Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.